And welcome to another amazing episode of Retrovaniacs. As always, I'm Jeremy Parmentier here with Billy Holiday. Hello there. And Jeremy Gregory. Hey, guys. And this episode, uh, we're going to do a listener request and look at the Shadowrun games for the Super Nintendo and Genesis. But before we do that, every week we tell you what we've been playing. I'm going to just skip right to it and tell everybody, shockingly, that I've been playing Monster Hunter World. And oh. uh, unfortunately, I wish I could say I was playing a lot more, but this was the Final Fantasy XIV crossover event. It's actually pretty damn great. Uh, you get, uh, if you can complete the missions, which there's two missions. One has a bunch of Final Fantasy flair, but it's not a very difficult mission, but it has Cactuar and it has Moogles and uh, Crystals. It's great. Uh, and you, you basically fight a, a giant version of one of the standard monsters that grabs a crystal, makes it grow and become difficult. Then after you beat that, then you get the mission to find and then fight the the new fight, uh, the Behemoth, which is essentially set up as a four-player mandatory fight. It's not. You can probably get away with three, uh, possibly two good players. I have not seen anyone solo it, but it doesn't mean you can't be. But yeah, once you finish that and you get to fight the Behemoth, then you get uh, to earn a, uh, a Behemoth outfit for your Poogie, and you get uh, a Moogle outfit for your cat, <laughs> and you get a whole new set of Dragoon armor and, uh, and a special weapon if you want to make those things, as long as you want to farm that fight over and over again. I probably spent, and I'm not joking, about six hours just trying to beat the Behemoth on different groups. And it reminds me a lot of MMOs, the way that this fight's designed, and it's supposed to. It's supposed to, to come like a, with a Final Fantasy XIV uh, style. So if you don't know how to move out of the way of you know giant glowing meteor spots, and if you don't know how to hide behind a meteor when he calls the comet or whatever down, it, uh, it, it you're not going to win. It's going to be very d- tough, and I think a lot of people who play this game uh, may not be used to the way MMOs are played. Because you can get really far in Monster Hunter by yourself. I mean, you can you can basically get all the way up to, you know, level 50-plus, essentially on your own. And there's only been been one fight that really requires a group, and that was the uh, the previous, the Kolv Taroth Gold raid fight that was actually 16 players, sort of, uh, for Monster Hunter. That's just four groups of four, but still. Uh, it, it was it, You could not do it alone. And this is the next fight that's, that's tough. It's not as hard to do with a small group but individually it's a much tougher fight so uh, i've been playing a lot of that but i also uh years ago jeremy gregory gifted me with a with his old vita uh, out of pity Mm. and Mm. i had some problems with it because i don't know if if anyone's had i think i explained this before but i probably didn't i took it in a in a car on a car trip and it was so hot in the car that it actually melted the glue that held the l and r buttons on so they would still be there. The buttons are there, but they didn't work. And the glue would melt down and get on the, uh, the the connectors that actually affect the other buttons. So eventually it didn't do anything. It wouldn't work at all. It would turn on, but it, none of the buttons did anything, just the directional pad. So I, I looked online at what happened. Apparently it's a fairly common problem that people run into. Uh, so I, I cleaned it like it was requested, and then I, I had to figure out how to put it all back together. So I did that, but I didn't do it really well. Uh, first off, I didn't use the right glue. I used rubber cement. I don't recommend anyone try to rebuild their Vita with rubber cement, but I did <laughs> so. And uh, and so I, I've, I've had an L button that really hasn't worked very well. Uh, but I finally got tired of that, took it apart, and uh, and took my time to re- put it back together the right way to get the L button back working. Solely mm-hmm. because um, David Boyce, who was our guest, one of our guest hosts on the Double Dragon episode, uh, went on, was complaining about how Jet Grind Radio slash Jet Set Radio are, is a terrible ser- series of games. He did not like it at all. He says it hasn't aged well. And I wanted to prove him wrong, so I downloaded it again for the Vita and have been playing that when I'm not playing Monster Hunter World. And I still like it. I don't know if you guys uh, have played it recently or have ever liked it, but he was going on about how bad it was and how, you know, it's just that you, you remember it being good when it was new and it's not good. I still think it's actually really fun. 
I used to, I mean, I loved it back in the day on like uh, Dreamcast, and I believe I played the Xbox version, uh, whatever mm-hmm. that one was, Jet, the future or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but man, that that Dreamcast game, I, I loved it. I played the yeah. hell of it back then. And oh. I really haven't played it much now, so I, I really don't know if if I, I could say that it holds up, really. Yeah, I just, I, that was my jam on the Dreamcast. I also played that one to death. And that was just that was one of the the handful of Dreamcast games I had, uh, and love that one. I I really haven't gone back. It's it's been a long time. Uh, we're talking ten plus years now. So it would be interesting. I um I'd like to think it would just because I have a lot of fond memories of it. But I mean, who knows? It it definitely has some funky parts where you're not quite sure if it's like oh does this mm-hmm. actually transfer well or not. But the basic. Mainly the levels where you have to chase gangs are, are pretty mm-hmm. difficult, and I remember them being difficult before, but maybe it's just trying to transfer that, that control to a Vita. It doesn't quite have as the finest control as, as it would need on the, the Dreamcast, but still, uh, I'm still enjoying it, playing it fully, and I made some special sprays with his name on it just to show mm. him up. Uh, but, <laughs> Billy, what have you been playing since our last episode? Well, I, I finished up that Shantae and the Pirate's Curse, which which stayed a strong game throughout, and, and I immediately uh, picked up another game in the series and have yet to begin it, but I am beginning a new job soon, and I'm going to be doing a lot of traveling on it. Uh, so I'm going to be staying at places that are not my home on a lot of nights. So I've kind of loaded up the uh, 3DS with with various games, and I've I've got the PS4 out, and uh, not knowing what my internet connection is going to be like where I'm at, I put some games you know that don't really require uh, online. I've got a lot of the uh, kind of the revamped PS2 games that they've done on the PS4. Uh, I've thrown on there. Uh, I put Destiny 2 back on just in case the the connection is well enough. Uh, Jeremy Gregory has, has tried to reignite my interest in it, and I picked up the add-ons for it, and it seems like almost instantly it, it solved my problem with it, which was that I ran out of things to do. As I sat there last night staring at the screen thinking to myself, this is too many things to do. Uh, so I'm going to be working on that. Uh, but in the meantime, when I was finding out what to uh, what to install on my 3DS, uh, things I've, I've purchased over time, I started playing Luigi's Mansion, uh, Dark Moon on there, uh, which I had picked up upon release, played maybe up till I played about three-fourths of it and then just didn't finish it. I got stuck at some point and got frustrated and just put it away. Uh, but I have been playing that, uh, finished it up, and I I tried, Lord help me, I tried sinking all the time I could into today's game besides those. Well, Jeremy, have you been more mobile at all since since the last two episodes? I yes, I have actually. My I, the splint is now off of my leg, and I'm in the process of, of rehabbing that. Uh, it's it's that's that's a whole process on its own. But I am at least uh, up and and a little bit more mobile uh, as I try to build muscle back into a leg that has apparently lost all of the muscles. Uh, and completely forgotten how to walk. So that's that's kind of what I've been doing mostly. But I did, um, I believe I mentioned I, I finished up Final Fantasy XV in the last podcast, and I was going to mm-hmm. start God of War. I did start God of War, and it is it's an amazing game. I, I'm sure everyone knows. You know, it's totally worth playing. It's it's just really really great. Um, but one I'd actually like to talk about that just came out. Uh, my brother mentioned it to me. 
uh, just kind of came out of uh, kind of by surprise because I hadn't heard about this in like five years uh, was uh, Chasm. Chasm came out last mm. week on, on PSN. I believe it's actually out on Vita as well. If that wants, if you want to know how long ago it started development. Um, it was one of those games that was uh, crowdfunded and has just been in a real hell to, to get out, out to the, the PS4 and Vita. Mm-hmm. In the, I believe it might be on PC as well, but it's it it was it had a lot of trouble getting there. There was an excellent post uh, on the PlayStation blog from the developers that just kind of documented all the problems that they went through to get this game up there, and you know it was only I think like seventeen bucks with PlayStation Plus, so I, I grabbed it and uh, they just made uh, Symphony of the Night. <laughs> that game is is just it is literally uh, playing it the gameplay itself and, and controlling the character and you know it is a metroidvania but the character literally is just alucard he controls exactly like that uh, so if you if you've played symphony of the night you literally know how this game plays and it's um it's you know it's set up just like uh symphony of the night as well same inventory screens same equipment all this stuff uh, the one thing, the one hook that it has that it tries to do is it may, it randomizes the entire uh, dungeon or whatever mm-hmm. every time you start, which I'm, I, there was a time when that like everyone was trying to randomize everything in video games for a while. Mm-hmm. And, but that was mostly for like roguelikes and things where it made sense. This game only randomizes everything when you start the game. Everything stays the same the whole way through it. But I guess if you wanted to start another game, then the whole map and everything like that would be it would be completely random, different than what you played before. And I think that it's I mean, playing it is fun and, and everything is set up pretty well. But you definitely start to see that there are big chunks of these stages that you just start to see over and over again. Mm. And I mean, none of them are very big or very long or anything like that. But it just seems like maybe things would have been a little bit better if they would have just maybe focused on making a solid level that doesn't repeat <laughs> on playthroughs because I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm not the kind of person that goes back and plays something like this immediately after I start. Yeah. And, you know, even if I did later on, I probably wouldn't remember half the game anyway, so it would still be pretty new to me. Uh, but doing this whole randomized thing, it just seems to kind of hurt it a little bit, but still it's a really fun game. Uh, it looks great. Uh, the animation is, is pretty awesome. It, but it just kind of seems like a B-grade Symphony of the Night to me. And I'll take that any day because, I mean, if you listen to this podcast, you know I love Symphony of the Night. But this was, for the price and everything like that, and for the amount of time it's taken them to get this out there, I totally recommend playing it because it's uh, it, it's not just one of those games that totally failed and they just took all everybody's money and ran. Uh, it's out there, it's cheap, and it's a great, great platformer. So mm. give it a shot if you like Symphony of the Night games. Mm-hmm. I do, and maybe this will be the game that makes me stop playing Monster Hunter World, hopefully, for our next (laughs) episode. I'm sure people are tired of hearing about it. And they're looking forward to this week's games, the Shadowrun games for both the Super Nintendo and the Genesis.
Now, as a reminder, this was a listener request. Uh, this was a request by Kyle Von Kubik. Uh, we mentioned it last week. He actually has a Kickstarter to do a T-shirt uh, and kind of like a poster uh, called Arcado Returns. Uh, we've linked it a bunch. I, I highly recommend you at least check it out. I think the art is really cool. Um, mm-hmm. I've already put my money down on the shirt because I want one, so I'm going to push it more because if he doesn't hit his number, he's not going to make the shirts, and then I will be naked. No one wants that. So hopefully everyone will check out his Kickstarter. No. And, uh, and, and even if you don't buy a shirt, again, they, they he does offer the prints, and I think the prints are pretty rad. I know exactly where I'm going to put them when I get those as well. So uh, anyway, uh, Shadowrun itself is based on a pen and paper role-playing game. Did either of you play the pen and paper role-playing game of Shadowrun, or honestly any? Pen and paper role playing games. Not no, <laughs> that was. <laughs> I mean, I was born in '79, but I, I definitely, uh, I, I really never got in. I was just kind of too young for a lot of that stuff. And by the time I was old enough to really get into it and understand it, I was firmly with electronic video games. Yeah. I, I never really spent much time in in that area of gaming. Yeah, and, and same here. I didn't really grow up with any any friends really into it. I think it's one of those things you heard. I, I heard in passing at school, maybe a couple of kids that were into it. But for me, I just I started on on video games and and didn't uh, didn't stray from it. Uh, it it's something that now I, I'm interested in, but of course now I don't think I really have the the time to, to take on such an endeavor. Uh, it's something that I certainly think is interesting, but uh, realistically I have never been into and and probably won't be. Well, I wasted my entire life, uh, not just on video games, but I've I've played plenty of pen and paper role-playing games. I mean, Dungeons & Dragons was the staple, but the second game I ever bought manuals for was Shadowrun. It is, you know, unlike Dungeons & Dragons, which everyone knows is just kind of standard fantasy, Shadowrun was cyberpunk, which at the time was, you know, this unheard of, super cool thing that only a few movies and books had had really, that I'd read that dealt with any of it. But for a, a pen and paper game, you know, it's like, oh man, I'm so tired of fighting dragons and, and, you know, just trying to find treasure chests and going to kingdoms. This will be totally different. And it is, it's a, it's. The, the games we're going to talk about actually follow the background of Shadowrun really well. Uh, but what I found with Shadowrun uh, is that all the things I really liked and really wanted to do with the pen and paper game didn't really sit well with playing with other people. I mean, those games aren't designed for you and one person uh, to mm-hmm. kind of run it. You're supposed to have five or six friends or whatever and, and try to get together groups and, and, and go on and do missions. Uh, and I never was able to successfully play Shadowrun in any way you know past one night like we tried we try to get together we'd make characters we play for 10 minutes and be like oh, i don't understand i don't get how to make this interesting like no one could ever run it well in my group i'm sure many people did it's a very popular role-playing game or was uh for the time and i bought plenty of other manuals that totally sat untouched uh and are probably still here somewhere in my house uh, despite that i've never really played shadowrun that said i love the background uh, the background of Shadowrun, which both these games do follow, is, you know, it's cyberpunk, so it's 50, 60 years in the future, depending on on which version of the game you're playing. And essentially, at that time, um, you know, the standard cyberpunk idea of that, you know, corporations kind of run the world. Yes, there's governments, but uh, corporations are, are big and rich enough, and they have their own militias. They, they definitely you know, have more influence on your daily life than any kind of government does. And most of those governments are fairly corrupt. Uh, In addition to that, to make it more interesting, uh, magic has kind of appeared uh, out of nowhere. And at the same time, uh, normal people start kind of mutating fairly quickly into what you consider classic fantasy uh, 
you know, races, elves, dwarves, trolls. And so it makes it so that by the time you start the game, it explains why there, there are not just humans and why there's magic. And at the same time, there's people running around with, with guns and they have these computer hacker things that can go into what's called the Matrix, which is essentially the Internet, uh, but with a physical overlay. So everything looks like the Lawnmower Man. Uh, but again, this game (laughs) came out in 1989. So the idea of an internet that's like, like this one now we have in 2018 was unheard of. So, you know, the matrix in this seems like, oh man, that's, yeah, I get it. It's a computer network, but at the time, pretty incredible. So uh, these two games came out. Uh, the first one was the super Nintendo version came out in 1993 Uh, it's actually a totally different game from the Genesis. They both have the same license, but they weren't supposed to be made to be the same game at all. Uh, They were just two separate games by two separate companies with the Shadowrun name. The Super Nintendo one was made by uh, Beam Software, who made such amazing games as Back to the Future 2 and 3 and The Punisher for the Nintendo. Uh, They also made the game Nightshade, which I don't know if any of you have played Nightshade. It's kind of a a mix of a point-and-click adventure and a Nintendo action game. It's a game that I would love to review as a video, but not as a podcast. I you know I remember seeing this on uh, the the store shelf, uh, the video store shelf for Super Nintendo. I don't think I ever saw it for the Genesis, but it was one of those games I would just kind of see and look at the, the back of the box, and it didn't really look that great from the back <laughs> of the box. I, it looked very just I don't know ugly. I, I you know, it's for the Super Nintendo version. It is just kind of looked like it had this weird isometric view, and I wasn't really into RPGs at that age anyway, so it was always that game that when nothing else was in, I'd just be like, man, I could maybe try out Shadowrun finally, but I would just always go back and rent Terminals in Time or something like that. Yeah, uh, and this is a game I don't recall encountering at any point uh, growing up, and it's something, I've seen the name, uh, you know, before, and it's something I wouldn't play nowadays on my own accord. Uh, just, hey, I'm looking for an old Genesis Super Nintendo game to play. I am, see, this game instantly had an uphill battle with me because I am not a cyberpunk fan at all. I just, that I fucking don't even like watching Blade Runner. Uh, it's just, something about it just doesn't work for me. Uh, there's some disconnect there. Uh, so when I saw this was... The, theme for this one i i you know i knew that i was going to have to put that prejudice aside and give it a shot but yeah this is one that i i went in 100 percent blind on this one i had aside from knowing the source material i had never played either of the games we're going to talk more about the mm-hmm. genesis game afterwards since it did come out a year later and is a totally different mm-hmm. game uh not going to compare them and contrast them necessarily. Uh, we will towards the end, but I think it's better to talk about the Super Nintendo first and then the Genesis. I had seen both. I mean, I had worked at a game store that sold both of these things. So mm-hmm. uh, what I recall at the time is everybody that I knew, at least that, that played video games and even magazines and such, really said that the Super Nintendo one was the better of the two. And at the time, most games, I would say that was the truth. We've, we've covered that on several episodes. Uh, but there are the rare occasion where the Genesis version is, is better. So I did want to play both, but I had no idea when we started this podcast uh, recording that... Or not recording, I'm joking. We started the, playing the games for this podcast that they're actually two completely different games. I mean, I know I mentioned that, but I need to stress it. They are not, they are not in any way, shape, or form the same game at all. Uh, the Super Nintendo game... Uh, is more of a traditional uh, character-based RPG. So you are one specific character, um, as opposed to kind of having any control over 
over who you are necessarily. Um, the Super Nintendo version, you wake up at the very beginning of the game in a morgue. Uh, all you have is is a piece of paper that says Warehouse 8, and on the slab that you're found on, it says J. Armitage, and that's all you've got to know on you know who you are, what you're doing, why you're there. And from that point, you just kind of have to walk out and learn how to play this game. The manual's not very <laughs> helpful. Uh, I, I did read the manual for both games. Uh, the manual is, is helpful if you don't know the background at all, and it does explain kind of the basics of the controls, but as far as what you're doing and how you get around and, and how to successfully play this, the manual is less than helpful. Uh, now, with both of you guys, I, I know I had the same problem. I started this game, and I probably spent the first hour just dying over and over again until I figured out exactly what I was supposed to be doing. I spent more than the first hour dying over and over again. Uh, yeah, The Super Nintendo one, I, I really put the least amount of time into, and I can't say I really made much traction at all in this one it's just it's i I don't know if there is a fancy uh, did you read the instruction manual you're you're the manual guy usually i did and it's not and you still don't find yourself equipped to to venture out there and and make things happen well i I just i don't know I, i really couldn't get into this one that well I died a ton, and it's it's a lot of trial and error, and just figuring out what is what. And I mean, this is an it's a downfall of you know the games back as much as I bitch about tutorials nowadays. I would have fucking gave anything for a, a little tutorial to pop up at the bottom of the screen for me. Uh, yeah, this is one uh, that you're kind of put out into the world, and you have to figure out how to function. And I mean, some people appreciate that and that can be fun to learn, but it just, it aired more on the side of frustrating for me. Yeah. And I, it was kind of the same thing for me. As soon as I started up the super Nintendo version, uh, (laughs) the first warning sign for me was a cursor, which uh, is is never a good, (laughs) good thing to see when you're playing a console game. Uh, You generally want direct control over your character which thankfully the Genesis version does have, but the Super Nintendo, you've got to use a cursor for everything. And man, that just really slows that game down. And especially with as frustrating as the getting into that game and figuring out what you're doing uh, is, is really a hindrance for someone that, that hasn't played it in the past. You know, yeah. Like I said, I haven't. So yeah, getting into this one was, was not easy at all. And that that's my biggest thing about it. That cursor, I knew from the moment I saw it, like Jeremy said, that that's that's a red light for me. Uh, just cursors and consoles just ha- have never gelled for me. I think it takes a game uh, that, as we'll see with the Genesis, which isn't you know you're not speeding along on there by any means, but it takes a game that that could have moved a little quicker. And, and I feel like just having to control that cursor with the D-pad just just really slows down the pace. Well, it's not even that it, you control the cursor with the D-pad, because that is true, but I thought this from the first, you know, when I first started playing, and I, I'd already read the manual, so I knew there was mm-hmm. a lot more involved to this than what you'd first think, is I thought this was mainly a point-and-click graphic adventure with some combat, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. the very beginning of it, just getting out of the morgue and kind of figuring out what to do in mm-hmm. town, is a lot of, you know, you walk around with the D-pad, but then you push the B button, and that turns into a yes. hand. And then that goes mm-hmm. around the screen and lets you see items, and you, you then go up to them, and, and when you click the button again, it lets you use items or uh, mm-hmm. look at items. But then, at the same time, you know, it doesn't stop time. 
So if you're in the middle of something and there are guys running at you to shoot you, you push the button to use you know, the hand to use an item or whatever. And meanwhile, everything else around you is still happening. So you've got to already kind of know what you're going to aim for, what you're going to do with that, with that cursor hand. Um, later on, when you get uh, a firearm, you use the A button, which causes, instead of a, a cursor to come up, it's a reticle that comes up. And that's what you use to fire mm-hmm. it at things on the screen with the A button. And actually, magic is the same. When you get magic spells, you use the Y button, and that makes your magic come up, and it's like a magic cursor that does magic instead of shooting or using your item. So there are definitely times that not only was I not stopping time and therefore getting caught in combat or in a, in a damage, d- difficult situation, but I'd push the wrong one of those buttons. So I'd be mm. trying to do a firefight, and all of a sudden my hand comes up, or I shoot magic, mm-hmm. at him, but it's I'm casting a heal spell on myself, which isn't helping me. Uh, it, it's just a lot. It was a... I think... A, a difficult control scheme because they were trying to essentially create a PC control scheme, even though this was not a PC port. This was an original Super Nintendo game, uh, mm-hmm. and, and therefore it made it more difficult. But yeah, from the beginning, just to figure out what to do, I thought it was a point-and-click adventure game. You have to get out of the morgue, you have to talk to the, the guys in the morgue who freak out, you've got to find your old items, you've got to get out of there uh, and, and find out where to go and what to do at all. And, and it, in the beginning, there's not much combat until all of a sudden you're walking down the street and just getting shot at for no reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially early on, if you don't upgrade uh, your character, you die in two, three hits, and then that's it. You, you can save uh, the game when you go sleep in a bed, which also was not explained very well in the manual. I don't know if you guys figured out how to really save or if you guys are playing on, on uh, non-traditional means, but to actually save in the Super Nintendo Shadowrun, you have to find a bed that you can sleep in, which not every bed you can sleep in, and that will give you the option to level up and save. No, I, I was actually playing on, on emulator, so it was save states all the way for me. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there were times on this, uh, I've loaded this, uh, I mean, my friend loaded on his, uh, his classic, and so there were times, even though there are save states there, it's not as easy as a PC to just push a button. So I was using the actual saves, why not? And I would lose a half an hour of time, because I couldn't find the next place to save after getting so far. Um, it, I, how far did you guys get in the Super Nintendo version of this, if at all? Did you leave the first major area? No. <laughs> I mean, I, I, this is just going to tell you how much I played uh, the Super NES game. And, and, you know, the Genesis version, I got a little bit further. But the Super NES game, I just, I did not get very far at all. Like, for one, I just didn't enjoy the way it played with the cursor um, and just the whole the whole feel of it. It really just put me off to the point where I, I just wanted to play it enough to get an, get an idea how much, how different this is from the Genesis version, mm-hmm. since that was the one I decided to put the most time in. Uh, so I, you know, it, 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 I really wasn't having a good enough time with it to really want to put any more time with it. Yeah, and same for me. I, uh, I, I originally started with the idea of putting even amount of time into both of them, uh, but I know we were we were kind of leaning towards a little more coverage of the Genesis version. Uh, so I, I tried, I tried playing. You know, I, I played enough to formulate an opinion in the Super Nintendo version, and it's. I can't say it's a good or bad game. It's not for me. Uh, the cursor just takes me out of it. Uh, I, I found it to just be a slog to get through that one. And uh, and we'll talk about it later on. There's a uh, basically like another half of this game that takes place in an area called the Matrix that uh, on the Super Nintendo version is is lacking. Well, the, yeah, the Matrix, we can compare those later. In, in the Super Nintendo version, the Matrix mm-hmm. is... 
a means to progress the story uh, mm-hmm. and or a way to get some extra money. Uh, money in, in both games is rather difficult to come to, but in the Super Nintendo game, it's incredibly hard to obtain. Uh, mm-hmm. In the first area, so the, the area you start in where you wake up in the morgue, it's a little a little part of the city. Uh, both these games take place in uh, an area around Seattle. That's where the entire Shadowrun universe more or less is. Um, and after you get out of the morgue, the other places you can find in that first city area is a bar, a club, a morgue, the apartment, a series of apartment buildings, uh, kind of an office building, and then a monorail that you can't use yet. It says it's out of order. Even though you can see the cars going in and out of it, it won't let you open the door. It says mm-hmm. it's out of order. And in order to use that monorail and get out of the first area of the game, and I'd say if you had to break the game up into eight sections, this first section is just just this city. And to get to section two, you need to do these steps, uh, just mm-hmm. as a, a story progression, um, but also a very adventure gamey kind of thing. So you, you wake up, you figure out who you are, and what happened? And essentially, you were on a run. Uh, Shadow runners, in general, do jobs for these um, giant corporations or for you know gangs or whoever. You run. You do errands they don't want to do. Either it's just delivering, you know, narcotics or whatever from one place to another. It's breaking into buildings and stealing things and bringing them back. It's in some cases escorting people through dangerous areas uh, or using that matrix to do some high end hacking. Uh, but it's all you know, basically you're you're kind of guns for hire. Um, so you figure out you had a job, it went horribly wrong, you were somehow betrayed, and you were killed. So just to get out of the first city, you've got to f- talk to people uh, all throughout the game. Almost anyone that you can walk up to that's not shooting at you will talk to you. And you, instead of just going up and saying, you know, like in a traditional RPG where you go up to somebody and they have their script of two or three things they say, you go up to people and they do have that script of two or three things, but then you can ask them about keywords. And the keywords at first is only like five or six words. So it's easy to walk up to everybody and ask them about the six things you know. Later mm. on in the game, you probably have 30 to 40 things on your keyword list. And mm. you don't want to ask a person about 40 things. Because if it's not one of the two or three keywords they know, if any, because there are random bystanders that know nothing, they will say something like, I don't know about that, bub, or whatever. Like a hundred times until eventually it's like, oh yeah, that bar is across the street. You have to say this word to get in the door. And it's that kind of, <laughs> that kind of adventure, like graphic adventure layout that you have to deal with to progress the story here. So yeah, you you uh, eventually find a dead man in a room uh, in the, this apartment that you find the key to room six. You go to room six, that's where you find your first bed. Uh, eventually you figure out that the other person that, was, that gave you the job has these um, tickets to get into a club, and you need to get in the club to find a specific contact, so you have to go get a police badge somewhere and fake the other police at the morgue to get access to the body, to get these tickets so that you can get into the club. And then you talk to the guy in the club, and it warps you to the second area. And that took me probably three or four hours of fumbling around to figure out how to even get out of the first area. And that's when I knew this was going to be... I I probably should have not done both games. I probably should have told you guys we were going to focus on one or the other, uh, and that's why we delayed this episode. That's just one small piece of the story. Uh, to get through the game. And the entire game is like that. You have to kind of know who to talk to and when to unlock different areas. Uh, there's there's parts of the game that I'm not sure how you figure out in the game. I had to look up what to do in certain sections. Um, it, it is, it's dense. The story is very dense. But while you're trying to figure out what to do in the adventure game, you've got to get yourself powered up. And the way you power up in both games is by getting karma. 
Karma is essentially experience points uh, in, in the Shadowrun world. In this game, in the Super Nintendo game, the only way to get Karma is to kill things. Now, the, the shooting engine is not great, but also you don't have a handgun for the first little bit until you find one on the ground. So you get a handgun, you can probably shoot someone two or three times. If they shoot you two or three times, you're dead. And again, you're, you're out. Once you're dead, if it goes back to your last save, or if you're, you know, you haven't found that bed yet, then to the very beginning of the game. There are no comebacks, and it's very, very quick to die. Especially, uh, this game is not good at telling you where you shouldn't be, except that when you're where you shouldn't be, you're getting mauled, and it's almost an immediate death. So, uh, once you, you kill enough smaller enemies, you'll get karma, you go to a bed somewhere, sleep, and all of a sudden you can spend your points on however you want to build your character. And that's what I liked about this game for the character building. It wasn't like uh, a, a traditional RPG where you level up. You know, if you're a fighter, you level up, and at level 4 you get this specific attack, and at level 8 you get this specific attack. Uh, you didn't have to go buy uh, a lot of your upgrades. You basically would, would put points into your stats as you wished. So if you, if you had, you know, 17 points of karma when you finally went to your bed, you could put... You know, increase your strength by five, or your body by five, or your strength by five, or your ability to use um, the Matrix hacking ability, uh, and, and lets you kind of build your character the way you want, which is how that game worked on pen and paper as well. So I did like that, but I do think uh, the way you're supposed to do to build up your character and to kind of do RPG farming, RPG just grinding in this game is almost inexcusable. It's not like um, there are people everywhere to, for you to fight effectively. So what you got to do is you got to find a place, like you'll walk into a screen, and there will be one guy in there that you can fight, and you can take him out. You're just supposed to go in and out of that doorway over and over and over again, fighting that same guy over and over again until you're hurt enough where you want to go find a bed, sleep, heal, and use your, you know, get your karma built up. That I did not enjoy at all. I found leveling in this game to be really, really painful until later when it almost doesn't matter. Uh, there's parts yeah. of the, Oh, sorry. Yeah, I mean, you were... To just go back real quick when you were describing that story and like what you're doing to get through that first area, I was just like, man, just hearing that, like the game, it sounds so cool. Like, especially for like a Super mm -hmm. Nintendo game. Like those, that was pretty rare to, you know, get that kind of game on the Super NES, but... Everything after that that you were talking about, fumbling around, <laughs> trying to figure out how to get your character to a reasonable state where you're just not dying over and over, figuring out who you're talking to, using keywords. Mm -hmm. It is, I mean, I really appreciate trying to do stuff like this on the Super Nintendo, and it's really neat to see what they, what, how developers tried to do that, because this is really just an old school Western RPG on the Super Nintendo, and to an extent, the Genesis. But it, more so on the Super NES because they, like you said, they literally tried to just make a PC game work on the Super Nintendo. And a lot of this stuff, uh, it, I, it just doesn't really work that well, especially like building your character up and things like that. I, I just didn't get it. And maybe that's my fault because I just didn't take the time to. I can't reasonably criticize this game because obviously I didn't spend enough time with it. But... I just totally had that feeling of, I don't know what I'm doing for the most mm. part of this. And I, I totally remember playing those old Western RPGs on PC back in the day with that same exact feeling. And there would be other people that had put hours into it that absolutely love. They know exactly what they're doing because they've spent so much time with it. But for someone that's just getting into it, I just did not know <laughs> what I was doing. 
It's definitely a game you want to have the manual for. I mean, they don't explain what the stats do very well. I mean, it does kind of give you a summary of each stat when you are leveling up your abilities, but it it doesn't really explain it very well. And you may not understand how all the mechanics fit together because mm. that even with the manual, that's not explained incredibly well. Um, one of the the cool things in in this game, and actually Genesis one too, is you'll find other Shadowrunners in bars or around the city, and you can hire them. So you'll go up to someone and they're like, you know, along with the keywords, you can talk about hiring. And they'll say, sure, I'll, I'll work for you for a little bit for, you know, a thousand new yen, which is their money. And mm-hmm. that's a lot of money. I mean, in the game, a thousand dollars would take you probably half an hour to farm effectively early on. And you're like, sure, I'll, I'll go ahead and hire you. And all of a sudden, you'll have this guy with you who is a marksman, you know, a master marksman, just destroying the enemies that are near you that you can fight slowly pretty quickly. Um, that said, very quickly, if you go to the wrong place or if you do take an underpowered Shadowrunner friend to a higher area, they die almost immediately. You're out mm-hmm. that money. Uh, they will come back. You know, you can hire them again, I suppose, but you've lost that money and there's no way to get it back. Um, it's very easy early on to get caught into a trap where you'll you'll try to just hire people to do all the fighting and, and help level your character up, but then you won't have any money. And like I said, mm-hmm. it's very hard to get money in the game itself. I mean, to buy the most basic firearm or whatever, it's $400, 400 new yen. And you'll kill a guy and he'll drop $10. You're like, okay, great. So you have to kill all these people over and over again and hope they drop $10. And eventually, mm-hmm. if you kill 40 of them, you'll have enough to buy that gun. Or you could have spent, you know, your $400 hiring somebody to kill all these people for you, and that's great, but then you're only going to net like $100. So it's easy to to try to take the easy way out because you're going to level fast. There are places in the game uh, that are kind of cemeteries and ghouls will come up. And that's an an easy place to farm for experience. But the downside is every time a ghoul dies, it gets tougher. So you can't farm there too well. And if you have to go back there for the story, you may have just filled it with super zombies uh, just Mm. to get a few points of, of, uh, of experience. So yeah, that's that was just the first area. So far, we've only talked about the first area, and I don't want to get into the story of either of these games too too much because I actually think the stories are interesting and giving away too much. Even though I, I don't want to give out spoiler warnings, but I do think if anyone's interested in playing these games and has only played one and and liked the setting, the other is definitely worth playing, uh, but not to give away any of the story. Uh, to to just kind of summarize both games and then kind of to compare and contrast them so the the super nintendo game like we said it is your one specific character you don't have any control over who you are necessarily um it is a three-quarter isometric view uh so that that kind of diagonal downward angle where you can you walk diagonally the the streets are diagonal uh and and it's you know you use keywords to talk to people it's definitely reminds me of of an older pc rpg um with with some adventure trappings to it the Genesis game came out in 1994, so a year later. It's by um, Blue Sky Software, who made the Genesis Jurassic Park that we've had a video on, and uh, and later on Vector Man. So games we've talked about, games we've all played. Um, these games are nothing like that, but at least it's another developer that made some things we would know. Uh, it's a totally, I mean, it's got the same background as far as the, the universe, uh, but unlike the Super Nintendo version, you get to pick at the very beginning, you know, what kind of character you're going to start as, uh, either a, a street samurai, which is kind of a, a combat fighter, a decker, which is using the the uh, matrix and the, you know, having the ability to go into that cyber area that we didn't really get too much into in the Super Nintendo game, and a, 
a shaman, uh, which is their magic users, which are basically, um, mm-hmm. you know, Indian Indian mm-hmm. wizards, I guess is the best way to put it. And, uh, and that game is completely different gameplay-wise. It is a top-down game instead of that three-quarters isometric view. You don't have any of the, the adventure point-and-click bits to it. You do talk yeah. to a lot of people to figure out where to go, but in this, this game is much more of what I consider to be a standard uh, console adventure storytelling where once you know the right piece of information, you talk to somebody and they say something different. Where when you first mm-hmm. go to them, they might say, like, I don't know who you are. Stop talking to me. But once you learn, like, oh, that person is the last person who saw my brother alive. And you go there and say, hey, don't you know my brother? And all of a sudden, they're like, oh, yeah, hey, what's going on? And they, they progress the story that way. So it, it does the same thing the Super Nintendo one does, where you have to pay attention and know who to talk to and what to say, but you don't have to then go there and actually say it. You just have to know that's what who you need to talk to and why, and then it opens up the next piece of the story. I did appreciate that much more. The keywords in the Super Nintendo game were a little ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, and to get to what you said at the beginning, on this one you do pick from your character uh, at the beginning. I, I always have trouble because I, I feel like I'm going to make a decision that really is going to fuck me up for the entirety of the walkthrough. Uh, so I kind of got online and just saw if there were, you know, which which character kind of leans which way. Uh, and it's almost unanimous. The, the You start off with the Decker on there, uh, the, I guess, for the, the, the Matrix access alone. And and a lot of people lean towards the Shaman uh, while he does have, the you know, the magic and whatnot, I guess, is, is not a very strong Matrix user, if, if at all, uh, which kind of uh, I can't see any and we'll talk about as we go on i can't see any other way of progressing in this game in terms of uh, of making you know the currency of, of the game and, and karma of whatnot than than jumping into that matrix I, I found it to be a, a big part of this uh if you wanted to to level up or really get anywhere as far as making money so I, it would be hard for me to, to to picture the game with without the matrix being a, a, a part of it uh, if, if you play as the shaman this one definitely started off more a little bit more what I was expecting in a console RPG to be like mm-hmm. because I mean this whenever you do start you know after you select your classes and everything like that you you are actually in control of your character on the Genesis mm-hmm. one that's a good start right uh, no yes. cursor or anything like that you you have direct control of your character um, this one looks a lot different it's uh, it's top down this one it's not uh, the the you know, kind of diagonal view that the Super mm-hmm. NES was. Uh, still, everything's kind of very close to, as well. I believe I heard you guys talk, refer to it as a meaty game. Um, mm. It just, it kind of has that look to it. Just a really dirty Genesis-looking game. Uh, <laughs> everything's very meaty-looking. It's it. I, I actually enjoy the look of it. Um, I, I think it's one of the one times, like, the limitations of the Genesis uh, actually come through. Because uh, it, it just has, and even the sound, you know the Genesis, you know it's trying like shit to, to sound good, but that's always been a struggle for Genesis. But I think that shitty music, it works for this game. Yeah, uh, it, it does it, it actually. Adds, it adds something to it. It's one of the few times I will say that the the Genesis, the, the sound limitations of it have, have somehow... I, I just livened up this world. It, it works. It works just fine with it. Uh, I don't know if they were going uh, for that look or if that was just you know the best the system could could push out. But it it, it conveys 
Uh, not a big cyberpunk fan, but I, I got a, I have a good knowledge of what it should look like. And, and this one does a really good job uh, of kind of conveying that look uh, and, and the sound. I have to, and I don't usually give the, the Genesis, I don't usually tip my hat to them on too much in comparison to the Super Nintendo. But I think we'll find as we, as we progress, I'm, I'm going to be doing that a few times. And so this is one of them. I like the way this one looks and, and sounds a lot better right off the bat. Unfortunately, like the Super Nintendo version, uh, things went bad pretty quickly. Uh, I <laughs> started just roaming gangs of people, just shooting the hell out of them, beating the hell out of me. And uh, even though you do have direct control over your character, you you still have to kind of put a cursor over them and shoot them or punch them or whatever. But mm-hmm. even those those early battles, I wasn't getting anywhere. And I was just, I kept wondering, like, am I just starting these games wrong? Like, do am I just missing something completely? But I think that's just how these games are. Yeah, th- this game, uh, I played the Super Nintendo one a lot more than the Genesis. Uh, assuming they were the same game, like an idiot, and then realizing they weren't, I, I didn't put enough time into this game to to really dig into it. Like, for example, the Matrix section we're going to talk about, I, I tried it, and I kind of get it but I don't really get it in this version. I do in the Super Nintendo, uh, and mm-hmm. in the Super Nintendo game, it's essentially the dumbest version of Minesweeper you've ever played. Uh, but this is much more involved. You actually have to to buy the right gear and the right programs to put in your deck so that you can get through mm-hmm. and, and break through these security systems. Uh, we'll talk about that more in a second, because I think this Genesis version, that hands down makes the game. But yeah, when, when you start out in this game, uh, you do have a story, so even though you get to pick your character's background, the the actual character himself, Joshua, has the same story. Uh, essentially, you're, you're flying to Seattle to uh, figure out what happened to your brother who died. Uh, his name is Michael. He was a, a Shadowrunner. He gets some mission that was supposed to be, you know, super hush hush, and he he dies. And so you're going there to find out what happened to him, and, and if possible, you know, avenge his death because that's what you do in every role playing game. Uh, when you first get to the mm-hmm. first area, you get to the last place that you knew he was staying at a hotel, and the guy basically is like, sure, I'll give you his stuff back for $250. And you have, I think, $20 on your possession. So the way you have to get money, if you're not going to be a Decker and learn how to play the the Matrix game, and that is probably the best way to get money uh, early on, is you have to find your Mr. Johnson. Mr. Johnson is the guy who gives you all your jobs, and you do basic missions. Over and over and over mm-hmm. again in that first mm-hmm. area. The first area that you, you're in is the Redmond Barrens. It's probably got 10 buildings. And yes, as Jeremy said, while you're doing these missions, which are most of the time, you know, you'll go to him and he's like, hey, here's a mission I have for you for $35 if you go to, you know, this this atomic plant and, and get a package and take it to the correctional facility, which is, you know, four buildings over. I'll give you $25. You're like, okay, mm-hmm. great. So you go there and you do these missions over and over again to get as you know your two hundred and fifty dollars. It probably takes seven or eight of these missions, which at first I was fine with because it's also teaching you the map while you do these little missions. The thing yeah. I didn't like is those random gangs. Unless you play as a street samurai, where you get to start with a stri- a, a stronger body stat so you can take more damage and a, and a better ability to use your firearm. I found that I just died a whole bunch. And when you die, you get some of your money taken away and you end up at a, at a store nearby. And that's great, but still, if you only get $25 for one of these missions and then you lose $30 when you die and you die each time, it's going to take forever to earn that money. So at first I did start with a Decker and 
died a bunch of times. I was like, okay, I'm going to come back and, and just start with a street samurai because I know that's a stronger class. I'll be able to do this this mm-hmm. basic combat. And truthfully, it doesn't matter to a point what you pick because all cla- all characters can kind of do a little bit of everything. The exception is magic. Um, you can only really use magic if you start as a magic user uh, because if you have any other cybernetic emplacements, like to do the decking or for what the street samurai can get, you know, kind of... Um, claws and stuff that come out of their hands, you lose your ability to handle magic. It's it's the, mm. the counterbalance in their world is you, you lose some of your humanity and therefore you can't do magic, whatever. Uh, so generally, if you want to deck and finish the game, you can go either way. But uh, if you want to be a street samurai, you're probably not going to do magic. If you want to do magic, you're not going to have a good hand-to-hand ability. So I, I chose to go street samurai to do these missions. Then I was able to take out some of these gang members in this first area. And then, you know, run eight or nine missions, you get the $250, you then bring that money back to the hotel, and the guy's like, yeah, great, here's your brother's stuff, and in that pile of stuff is 500 more credits, so it's kind of like, oh, ha ha, look at me, Uh, but you get that money, and from there, you also get the first clues to what to do. Uh, The game is actually nice enough that in your, when you hit the start button, you come to your inventory screen, and and like a notebook that kind of gives you some tips, and one of the things in the notebook, it says like, important clues or something like that and it shows mm-hmm. you the things you need to progress the story it gives you pages of here's a picture of this woman her name is this uh she's at this this bar according to the note and then there will be a couple other things to kind of find out and as you go to those places and talk to those people it changes what those story pieces are um which i really liked i thought that made it very simple to follow the story even though every step involved because i didn't have the ability to go into uh, the matrix and earn much money uh doing mm-hmm. a shit ton of those silly missions. Um, yeah. And I just today played far enough in this game to get to a more consistent and better paying um, Mr. Johnson who gives you tougher missions, but they're way tougher. Like the first round of missions are escorts from one building to another, or it's take a package from here to there, but it's you basically just go to the door of each building and you get the thing you need or the person you need and walk to the next building. And as long as you don't get attacked and die on the way, you're good to go to get your $45 or whatever. So the later missions, it's like, oh, I'll give you $700 to do these these other missions. But it's like, go to the building, and then you have to break in and fight security and figure out where this package is that was stolen and then sneak it back out and dodge gangs all the way to the drop-off point, which is in sometimes a different area of the map. Uh, the, this game is much larger than the Super Nintendo game. The Super Nintendo game was really only three city areas and then some buildings with some maps inside of them and... and an op- not an optional, but an, another straight combat area on a boat that's mm-hmm. fairly big. Uh, this game has seven map areas that you can see. And you can go to any of them except for the Indian lands uh, because the Indian lands require a passport that you have to buy later. Um, but you can just go to your map. You know, we go to a, a, a vid screen to hire a cab, and he'll take you to any of those areas. So the later missions involve not only having to fight your way to get the item or the person or whatever it is you're doing. But then you also need to get a cab, take it all the way to this other place, which costs a a good amount of money as well. So by the time I figured out how much things were costing me between uh, bullets that I had to buy, because you don't have a a whole lot of ammo, you have to buy it bullet by bullet um, or clip by clip, and pay for the cab and sometimes hire a person to help me with the job. It's like I'm netting $45 again. So even though I'm getting more, I'm netting 40 to $50 and I need to earn $2,000 or whatever for the next phase of this mission. Mm-hmm. It's a very, very slow game when you don't play The Matrix. And I probably should have done that instead. And, and 
on the other hand, it, it's a double-edged thing because if you, I found that I spent a lot of time in the matrix on here and you would think that means I could tell you a lot about it. I can, get, I can give you some basics, but I, I still was button pressing for a lot of it. Uh, I, I looked, I finally broke down. I tried to do all this without looking up. I finally looked up online and there are some extensive guides to it. Uh, and I, I kind of didn't. I just kind of glossed over what some of the the programs are. Uh, you, the things you buy are, you know, are programs and that kind of. And you build a deck to go into the matrix with. And and you know, the programs are they're either defensive or they're an attack or or something else to help you go uh, from node to node. And and unlocking things from a node kind of takes place like an attack. And you you know. Look like a fucking Silver Surfer or a T-1000 or I think a Lawnmower Man you dropped earlier. Um, which, by the way, is a... If we ever do PC games, I'm, I'm putting in Lawnmower Man PC for that one. Ooh, sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, you have these... And there are some uh, programs, uh, I think Deception is one of them, I believe it is, that uh, if you run... Successfully, you can skip having you know a back and forth attack where you might take damage, and you know at the end you go through when you decide to unjack from the matrix, uh, you you're rewarded for the nodes you went through, the the information you collected and whatnot. Uh, you're rewarded with uh, you can make a pretty good amount on there, and I found out pretty early on that that's something you just have to do. Kind of, kind of like real life, and that you're not going to get too far, you know, not a, unless you're making a little bit of money uh, along the way. And so I dedicated a lot of time to that, and I found just to uh, to progress through, you have to, I had to spend way too much time in there, and, and I felt like I wasn't really advancing the story at all. Uh, I got bored real quick because uh, I felt like I was either in the matrix grinding through but not really getting anywhere as far as the story goes or anything like that. And it was getting, it's very repetitive. Uh, or I was back, you know, playing in the, you know, supposed real world and just not getting anywhere because I, I lack the upgrades or, or the, you know, the money or the, the karma and whatnot. Uh, so I don't know. I, you can either get in that matrix and grind through uh, and get some nicer stuff or you can, kind of just try to, to go at it and progress the story and die a ton. And, and, and both options were not appealing to me. And, and I tried both. And I, th- I think it led to a lot of frustration uh, while I was playing through. Well, you, you've you got, you know, the Matrix being in that game is, is kind of crazy on its own because it's mm-hmm. almost like its own thing, completely yeah. own part of the game that it has nothing else to do with the way anything else looks or plays in that game. Yeah. Thankfully it is there. If you want a distraction from doing the, the actual shadow runs and doing, you know, those get kind of old too. <laughs> you know, there's, yeah. this is a very grind heavy game. And so it's either, okay, I'm going to do a shadow run or I'm going to jack into the matrix. And I mean, that's, those are really your two options for progressing the amount of money that you make in this game and, and how you build your character. Mm-hmm. So it, it's if you don't enjoy doing either of those, then you're probably not going to enjoy playing this game at all because that's what you're going to do most of the time. Yeah, I mean, that's what it has to offer you. Uh, you do the Shadow Runs or the Matrix, 
you've got to do one. Uh, you you cannot progress through this game. And, and as far as leveling up things on your character, I found. Uh, what did you guys? Did you try to? What kind of build did you go? I put everything in the guns pretty much, and and I found that that seemed uh, to to do me just fine. Uh, the guns and I think a computer, I believe, is the one you upgrade to 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 help you out in the matrix is is what I really focused on. Uh, those are the skills, yes, that's right. But your your stats also affect both the yeah. matrix and the regular. So I would do for my stats. Uh, again, this was not saying this is the right way to do it by any means. In fact, it's probably the wrongest way you can play this game, and that's a new mm. word. Uh, is is I did body and got it all the way to full because uh, mm-hmm. that means you can take the most damage. Uh, I did strength so that my hand-to-hand, which is otherwise useless, was actually pretty good. And then I did guns, and I got I got firearms all the way up uh, to eight or, I think, eight. And then I started leveling up pistols specifically, and I, I'm sure mm-hmm. that's wrong. I'm sure that's the wrong way to do it, but I was at least living, and I'm able to go through yeah. that, first, that first area and run missions all day long, but you're only getting 40 to 50 bucks a pop. Uh, you yeah. can you can increase the amount of nego- by your negotiation stat will help increase that. It's kind of a randomizer on what you get paid. So it'll be like, yeah, it's thirty dollars, and it says like you've negotiated to sixty dollars or whatever. So it gives mm-hmm. you a little more. But as soon as you find the higher Mister Johnsons that give you more money, those are the missions you're supposed to be doing. I mean, I found the one that was offering me like two thousand, three thousand New Yen per run, mm-hmm. but it was stuff that mm-hmm. I can't, I couldn't do. It was like go to yeah. this. I thought it was just go to this building and get a package. And I was like, for three thousand, this is great. I'm going to go do that. And I went there, and all of a sudden, I had like ten security guards on me. I was, just, I just got smoked. I didn't even get a chance to see what happened. It was bad. And now how what, far, how far did you have to upgrade the uh, the the hand to hand before it was actually effective? Because I could not get anywhere with that. Of course, I didn't really focus on upgrading at all. But I, I just did guns. Uh, I just did the. Pit pistol uh but yeah the hand-to-hand i never tried out uh, did you have to upgrade that pretty far before it was even even worth anything i didn't bother with the decker when i when i started the game i didn't use it at all when i when i switched okay. to a street samurai you start with uh hand claws so you yeah. do a little more damage but it didn't hit very often i felt like i was just sitting there matching the button until eventually one of us would get hit but most of the time it was mm-hmm. them but it still took a lot longer the pistols were much faster and i bought an upgraded pistol and did a lot more damage, but I was just going through bullets. Uh, eventually, mm-hmm. what you're supposed to do, and I didn't know this, is you find the gang hideout for each area, and you find that gang boss, and you either uh, you can pay them, or, or I think if your reputation gets high enough, you can convince them to stop attacking you, and that'll help stop those random fights in those areas, but that doesn't stop it everywhere. There are some places where they send people after you, and there's no way to avoid it. Mm. I mean, it's... I really like what the Genesis version tries to do. Like, I really think it meets what I would want in a Shadowrun game, uh, at least in 1994 terms. Uh, it just, especially after playing the Super Nintendo one, where I felt it was much more of a, of a here's exactly what to do to progress the story, and that's all you're doing is progressing the story. This is so much more of a, of what a, a pen and paper role playing game or even what an open-world game would be, where you just have a bunch of side things you can do, and you should do to some level to upgrade your character, to eventually progress the story one little piece farther, as opposed to the Super Nintendo one was like, do this until you can survive, then go here, until you can survive, then go here, you know, and and it it really does kind of point you to what to do next. Where this, Mm -hmm. I felt, was a lot... Like, I I know where to go next, but I'm not anywhere near strong enough to get there. I've gone to the... To, to where I'm supposed to go, and I just keep getting killed almost immediately. So I obviously need to increase my character and get better weapons and armor, but that takes money, and that means doing a bunch of these jobs over and over again. Uh, and 
that when you die in this, it doesn't, it thankfully doesn't kill you, but it might be worse because instead you get sent to the hospital where they take, I think it's up to 10% of your total money. Uh, and if you're trying to earn a lot of money, if you need $2,000 or whatever, and you lo- you have almost 2000 and then you lose 200 each time you die, it's just a huge step back if what's killing you is something you can't avoid. And, and I think that's more of a progression. In this game, is money is a, mo- a bigger factor in your progression as opposed to your stats. Mm-hmm. You know, you get a lot yeah. of karma in this. I think the Super Nintendo 1 karma was a little slow to get in certain sections because you had to kill people only. So unless you were willing to go to a spot and go back and forth into a room and cause enemies to respawn and, and fight them, you were going to slowly earn karma. Uh, this mm-hmm. game, you get karma from doing those little jobs. So as I was doing these sad little jobs, I was watching my karma go up, and that's great. But, you know, if I if at the end of the day I've got all this karma and my stats are really high but no money, it means I still have to do a bunch of these sad little jobs over and over again to get a cab, for example, to go to the next place, to find the next yeah. job. And then you yeah. die there, and you get sent to a hospital in a different map, so you got to have some money to get a cab back to this first place. It's like, I, I really like it, and I know I barely scratched the surface of this game. I mean, uh, both of these games have a lot more than I expected. I, I played the Super Nintendo one enough to to really know how to play it i did a good i I did a a good amount of time on that and again thinking they were the same game that made sense to me Uh, i think if i would have told known this ahead of time i would have probably spent more time on the genesis version like you guys did i think it's a Mm. it's a more interesting game with more things to do um but i can also kind of see why at least what i remember was people saying the super nintendo one was you know quote better or the one to play it's a shorter game i think uh, because you don't have to do all these repeatable quests over and over again. And once you know what to do, you can probably blow through the Super Nintendo one in an hour and a half, maybe, because there are some definite spots where you can kind of farm grind real quick if you know exactly what to mm-hmm. do. Um, the Genesis one seemed to have a lot more of a... I guess, again, maybe decking is, is a much easier way to earn a lot of money fast, but um, what I saw on the speed runs I watched of this is you'd hire... They'd, they'd hire one of the the other Shadowrunners in the Genesis version, and then they'd immediately take the Shadowrunner to the store, sell all their items, and get like $2,000, and then use that to do a bunch of stuff real quick. And then the guy would just leave, and who cares, right? Who cares if he dies real quick? You just made $2,000 from hiring him for $100. I don't think mm-hmm. that's supposed to be how you play the game, but it's a neat strategy. <laughs> what it what comes if... across as like one of those games like you can just totally break it, you know, and, and the game doesn't mm-hmm. care. You can, you know, find, a, some, find some weird way through it. Like any good old Western RPG or PC RPG, you know, that that was kind of the way you got through a lot of those. Yeah, in this one, whatever method you find for farming that works best for you, I say go with it. Uh, Myself, and I think this is one I'm probably going to continue to play uh, because I feel like, yeah, I put a lot of hours into it, but... I feel like I barely got anywhere. I feel there's a lot left there. I spent so much time in the damn Matrix. So much time. I got to tell you about the biggest heartbreak you can experience in this game, as far as I know, in uh, in the Genesis version. In the Matrix, there are enemies. When you're in there, certain nodes will have a a program or enemy called a tar pit, which looks like just a you know a glass ball full of a a brown liquid, Uh, and uh, losing to those will will not get, kill you, but will sap one of your programs. Get rid of it altogether. That fancy program that you grinded to save up all that money for to, to purchase and build up uh, can just be gone just like that. And, I mean, we're talking th- – this was the one experience I had where a program that I had, had saved and 
scrimped for and spent time in the Matrix and doing fucking walking from this store to the other on escorts and whatnot. Uh, I had purchased and had for all of about five minutes before it was gone and, and all the work along with it. And I'm, I'm not going to say um, what I was playing this, but I did not have a save convenient enough to, to go back. So, yeah, so yeah, that was just uh, this game is just I can see there's a big audience for it. I can see a lot of people that would like this kind of game. Uh, I think you really have to be in the state of mind to want to sit down and, and grind through something and, you know, experience your story a few pieces at a time because there's going to get to the point of where you're not going to be able to progress uh, until you're leveled up, until you have better gear and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, for me, the Super Nintendo one definitely, the, you know, the cursors and whatnot uh, just took me right out of it. And the Genesis, I don't know, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm not playing it correctly. Uh, I just I found that there was promise to it. And it felt like there was a whole lot of game out there uh, to enjoy, uh, but I just felt like I was just uh, just confined as far as what I could do because of because of needing you know the, the currency or, or karma to to advance. Yeah, and the, the, I mean they're both unforgiving games. I think the Genesis probably has a, a bit more of, of just being in an, a very unforgiving game at times because there's mm-hmm. there's like times you'll just be walking around and something will pop up like a text box being like, oh, you know, uh, wanting you to do something, you know, make a decision or something like that. And mm-hmm. it's not like you're actually doing anything. If you just choose the wrong answer, you're dead. You know, that's there's no real right or wrong to it. Uh, you just have to fit, you know, take a guess. You could check, you know, take the obvious right answer, and it's like, oh, you know, well, this guy appeared around the corner and fucking shot you in the head. You're dead now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and things like that. Oh God, I can't. It's so just old school, and I can't stand that stuff anymore. But uh, I would, I would still myself, I would play the Genesis version more. I that that open world uh, aspect to it, I I love that. I'm, I'm, it's amazing that it's in a 16-bit console game. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's just a lot there, uh, and you know, even if you wanted to get into the Matrix and and do stuff like that, it's it's all there, and basically an entirely different game to to play if you get tired of playing the regular game. I. I think the Super Nintendo is probably the more cohesive role-playing game. Uh, there's definitely aspects of it that it, that just kind of seems like it's a, a bit better made. It's, you know, there's more cutscenes. It, it's just more cohesive altogether. Mm. The Genesis version just seems like an open-ended mess, and you can just do whatever the hell you want if you can figure it out, and eventually you'll you'll probably just overpower that game completely. It mm. just has that feel to it. Like, mm. by the end of it, you will be a god. But you start out so, so weak and just everything is killing you and you have no idea what you're doing. It's, it's, it's just got that feel to it. And I love that about those old PC and, and Western RPGs. But it's something that I just now playing it today and present day, it's been done better since then. But I can totally appreciate what they were going for with this. And I, I would, you know, back in the day, if I played this and understood any of it, I would have probably just sat there and played that game for hours. It's a PC-ass console game. That's what yeah. I had to remember, and, and that's what I had to kind of piece together. The, the Genesis way more than the, the Super Nintendo. Super Nintendo feels like it's a, a, a console version of, you know, what, what someone would want on a PC game. But this is... 
that same difficulty. You know, you play an old uh, PC role-playing game, something like Wizardry or Bard's Tale or any of those, it's all grind. The game is all grind, and you eventually figure out where to go next, and you do more grinding. And this is very similar. Uh, it, it's a good thing, but it is... Well, let me take that back. It's It can be a good thing. If that's the kind of game you want to play, this is a good game. But it is... You got to be prepared that you're going to spend a lot of time just figuring out kind of how to break it, like you said. And and if you do that, you can probably kickstart the game a little bit to get to the more interesting parts. Because uh, if not, you're going to do a whole lot of going from one building to another while trying to not get shot. And that that doesn't uh, doesn't last too long till you get bored with that. So those two games came out in 1993 and 1994. And then there was a Sega CD version of ni- in 1996 that came out that was only in Japan. I have no idea anything about it. It looks extremely anime based on the cover. Uh, that said, didn't come out here, so we're not going to discuss it more. Uh, and then nothing until 2007 when the Shadowrun Xbox 360 slash PC game came out that is a first-person shooter. Yeah, I played, the, <laughs> I played this one. This is when uh, you mentioned Shadowrun last episode. I, I, I spoke up uh, not knowing that what I played was nothing uh, like uh, these games. Uh, I, I have... To say, having played these, I see absolutely none of it in the 360 version. Uh, it was just, sadly, I mean, if you love these games, I hate to say that the, the 360 version was just another first-person shooter, just another multiplayer, you know, shooter. Uh, the only difference was it had some magic aspects, some magic attacks in it. Otherwise, I mean, it just, I remember I had a friend that was... You know, like like people were on the shooters that are being cranked out left and right then, big on it for a couple of weeks. And I happened to be around then and but played it a little bit and really not, I, I couldn't differentiate it from many other games, many of the other, you know, 360 FPSs at the time. Uh, so, yeah, I, nothing good nor bad to say about it. It's it's a very bland game. Uh, it's it's Call of Duty with a bit of magic in it uh take that for for what you will uh but i I couldn't really associate it much with these games i don't think it even had a uh, much story to it at all no it was a multiplayer shooter and that's i remember when it came out i was all excited there was a Shadowrun game even if it was first person i was like oh that could be really cool and then i realized it was just a multiplayer shooter and and while Mm -hmm. it does have some fans and there are people who who clearly liked it a lot when it was new uh, I was not one of them. I, I didn't give it any of kind of a fair chance, but I did not want to play a first-person multiplayer shooter based in the Shadowrun world. I wanted to play a, a, an interesting role-playing game, and these actually, mm-hmm. I think, meet that requirement for me far more than that game did. Uh, and then in 2013, Shadowrun Returns came out for the PC. It was a crowdfunded uh, Shadowrun game. It actually feels more like what I expected from both of these games. It is turn-based mm-hmm. combat. It is a traditional kind of strategy pc role-playing game uh it's got it's got definite story to it and it has some expansions already it it's regarded fairly well but it it meets more what i expected from Shadowrun. uh but that said i I have to say these are both surprising games i I think the super nintendo one is probably not one i'll ever play again uh, because i didn't necessarily enjoy the interface and i think once you've gone through it once there's no reason to play it multiple times where i think the genesis one because you can kind of focus more on the decking aspect, or you can focus more on magic, or you could just go full, you know, full bore guns and and 
and just destroying people. I think there's a lot of different ways to play the Genesis game, uh, and mm. it feels more like like a grindy, fun little game. I don't know. I think that the Super Nintendo one, while one playthrough is probably better than the Genesis one playthrough, I'll play the Genesis one more often. Yeah, the Super Nintendo one I'm, I consider myself done with. Uh, I'm just not going to be able to get into into that you know control scheme, the interface they have i just can't do it but like i said with the genesis one i am going to continue on this one i'm i may start over again and, and kind of do a different build as i go through uh and probably gonna it's probably gonna be a guide assisted run through the game but i, I would like to kind of make it a little further along and, and see what happens and, and and maybe conclude the story um but yeah i i mean it's they're different. They're they're certainly different. I hadn't played anything else like that on the uh, on the you know the 16-bit consoles. Uh, mainly cause it's it's not really my thing. Um, but I can see why. Like I said before, I can see why people would like it, especially uh, if you if you like the pen and paper uh, versions of it. So I can't say stay away from it. Uh, if, if some of the things we were talking about, kind of the grinding. The leveling up different things, aspects like that. If you never, if those games never appealed to you, I don't think this game is going to make any big waves and change your mind about it. But if that sounds right up your alley, then uh, this is probably the Super Nintendo version a little bit less. This Genesis one, it's it's probably a game you're going to want to sit down and try out. Yeah, and it's it's totally different from what you would ever expect to find on these consoles i mean this Uh is definitely not your typical console rpg experience Uh either of them uh for me obviously like i said the genesis version is is my pick the super nes version i'm sure there's a lot of fans out there and like just doing research for this there are a lot of people that think the super nes version is a thousand times better than the genesis version yeah they they have divided into indefinite camps uh, when it comes to this game, I noticed when I uh, later on when I went through to uh, I was learning trying to get the Matrix down and going through. There's a lot of people shitting on the Super Nintendo version of the Matrix, and a lot of people coming to the defense of that. It, it's uh, it's 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 something, and it, it probably says something about the game that I'm missing. That you know, years later, uh, you know, both old players and and people new to the game are so opinionated about it. Yeah, it's uh, there's like this weird group of, of people still to this day, Super NES or Genesis for Shadowrun, and and dropping into that little world for a second was really strange, but uh, you know, it, it like you said, it's it's fun that that people still are that passionate about this game, and it shows uh-huh. that it was something that was pretty special for the people that really did get into it back in the day, and um, for how it's aged, it's not aged well. Neither neither game is something that, you know, a fan of, that's just kind of getting into retro games now. I wouldn't just be like, yeah, go play Shadowrun if you want to play mm-hmm. the best of the best. Uh, you know, it's definitely one of those things that you kind of had to be there when it came out and, and really appreciate what it was at the time. Because now it just kind of both of them just seem like a mess, but yeah, I mean it's it, it's great to finally play it. I'm glad we played them, mm-hmm. uh, and they're it, they're definitely relics and and just something that's that's really fun to to kind of play and see how how developers tried with with RPGs that that didn't quite work on on these consoles. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I really enjoyed that and and just. There's some neat stuff here, but uh, overall, I, I probably wouldn't go back to these anytime soon. 
Well, regardless of if you are one of those people that would swear by the Super Nintendo or the Genesis version, the good news is you probably don't like us anymore. So, <laughs> we've done our job. Next episode, I know it's been two months since I've picked a game. I have been put on on uh, on house arrest for picking games, but I'm mm-hmm. going to make it up to you guys. I've, I've picked some games that you may not have been fans of because I'm trying to go back to the TurboGrafx or the Master System or the Lynx or whatever system I want to hit that we haven't done. So I'd like to return to the TurboGrafx, but we're going to go with one that I can't imagine you're not going to like. I'd like to cover the original Bonk's Adventure. As the next I, game. I, I think I think maybe you're hedging your bets this time on the Turbo Graphics. Uh, I I played Bonk was one of the few games I, I remember standing at Toys R Us for the uh, you know the Turbo Graphics display they had there and, and playing through a uh, first level of Bonk and and, and really enjoying it uh, and it you know it was if you already have Mario at home it it seemed like a lot of the same but a lot different at the same time and i have gone on over the years to uh to play through uh bonk and you know and one of its sequels and yeah it's a game that i i really didn't mind at the time uh but a lot of years have passed so i'm looking forward to playing it again and kind of seeing if my opinion has changed or if it's uh if i still feel the same way about it so again, I want to thank our listener who requested us play these Shadowrun games. Uh, we are not mm-hmm. mad at you. Thank you, Kyle. Uh, and again, please check out his uh, his Kickstarter, Arcado Returns, Arcado spelled A-R-K-A-D-O. And uh, and again, we'll have links on our websites and uh, on our website. Let me try again. We'll have links on our Facebook page and Twitter and everywhere else we are found at Retrovania.net. So we'll see you in two weeks with Bonk's Adventure. And we'll see you next time. That didn't make any sense. redo that answer when I leave. leave it yeah that's good for we'll now see, perfect we'll see you in two weeks and next time and next time <laughs> you think i get better comes, at this whichever whichever comes first yeah i'm i'm super good at this <laughs>